The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome back to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Dr. Kinush Kasawi, is an international medical graduate who studied in Iran and then continued her medical education with a postdoctoral research fellowship at the Johns Hopkins Hospital School of Medicine. During her pathology fellowship at Hopkins, among other things, she researched mitochondrial DNA mutations in pancreatic cancer patients, which led to several publications in journals such as Nature. Dr. Kianush is an active fellow of the Institute of Coaching at Harvard Medical School, McLean Hospital, and serves on the IOC's Board of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Council. I guess that's part of that. Inspired by her near-death experience in 2006, she developed a passion for coaching in healthcare and turned her studies to certified life coach training. Dr. Kasui is a founder of My Conscious Coaching Group, a coaching nonprofit with a mission to heal and care for the whole self and a vision to raise self and global awareness. So, Dr. Uh, Kasawi, uh, welcome to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's a it's a very exciting story you have, and uh, it's it's interesting too um, that um, you you come from Iran, and uh, of course that's a that's a, a background we don't have too much on in terms of near death experience, although near death experiences are obviously universal. So I'm especially glad that you're that you're with us today. Thank you very much, Lee. I mean, as you know, five uh, percent of population they experience near death near death. NDE, but only 40% of them talk about it. So, and uh, I, I don't know where the statics come from, but I'm sure that in Iran, that, that 40% is raising more because uh, it's just an experience that, that not everybody is comfortable about talking to people about it. Yes, yes. Well, Dr. Kasawi, you um, uh, describe your NDE wonderfully in, in a book titled Beautiful Scars. And you begin that description with the story of how, uh, how you had a childhood out-of-body experience and how the darkness, as you describe it, visited you when you were just a little girl. So tell us about that event. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity for telling me the story. So uh, it, it was very interesting because the experience of my out-of-body experience stayed with me all my life. And it didn't really make sense to me until I had the near-death experience. It was at that time that I could connect these two experiences together, and I, and I wrote it as as I, I did in my book. Yeah, I was like about five, six years old, maybe. I mean, yeah, five, six years old, and I always was scared of dark places, walking through the dark lobbies, and this fear of darkness was in me until that one night while I was sleeping, I felt myself, I'm leaving my body, and I just saw myself, I'm, I'm raising up to the, toward the ceiling, and I'm staying on the ceiling of my room, and looking at the same time, looking down into that little girl that is laying down on the bed, and, it, and it's me. 
and I was terrified, but at the same time, I, I couldn't I couldn't move or do something about that. And then I got used to to that feeling and that state of mind that I thought that it's there. And I started looking around, and at the same time, when I was high up on the ceiling, I started looking at the darkness and the dark lobby that I was always scared of it to go through it to join my family. You know that were having, you know, parties or uh, family, you know, uh, gathering in the yard with, with my neighbors. And I was just seeing everything and everybody at, same, at the same time from that, from that ceiling. And then I had what we call it today, that helicopter view or that, you know, bird eyes view from that corner yes. to my body and to my surrounding. That was the time that I, that I found out that, that darkness, that that lobby, that uh, unknown, that I, I was always afraid of it as a little girl, that that was nothing but just my assumption. And when I figured that out, I came back, you know, to my body, and I still remember that. I was like, you know, five years old. All my life I was, I was remembering it. So what was that? And it wasn't a dream. It wasn't, you know, something that um, or my assumption. But I was, always was curious about it. And then I had my near-death experience, and I, I saw my soul again. My, my, that traveled, you know, to the, to the other side. Then that clicked for me, that that soul was the same, same soul that went out of the body. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting way of putting it, that uh, when you left your body and you actually, I guess, as out of body, you met some spirits who were very playful with you. But um, it said, uh, you said um, you were gifted with the light, and that's when I met my soul, met your soul. I thought, I thought that's very interesting, the way you put that. Yes, yes. It, it, at that time, even at that age, I found out that there is something in me except, except my body. That was when I was discovered that there is another one inside me, and I call it today's soul, but I'm not sure at that age I had this understanding to call it soul. But I, I had some, you know, some like religious, you know, training or studying. My father was really a spiritual. My family were, you know, a spiritual. So they were talking about, you know, the soul, but I never could understood what does it mean. Yes. And to me, as a little girl, I, I assumed that 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 traveling uh, spirit out of body, that's my soul, which I got the confirmation later for it. Yes. And you also said that uh, these spirits that came and played with you, uh, their names came to me in silence. Hope, serenity, mercy, compassion, forgiveness. That, tell us how you decided those were the names of those spirits. Yeah, I think those were those were the values, the values that I have been raised with, you know, and also the, the values that the spirits were, as you said, playing with me about them. And the same values when I had, again, the near-death experience, I met those values of hope, loving, you know, enlightenment, you know, understanding and knowing. I, I met those core values again a couple of decades later in life. So it wasn't something that I decided to name it. It was something that the universe brought it to me. It, uh, it, it was installed in me. And that long, dark uh, corridor, which was, an, I take it, an actual corridor. And then then when you were uh, post-operation, uh, when you were 
looking down a corridor that reminded you of that corridor. Do you see any uh, similarity between that and the tunnel that uh, some other NDEers talk about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I hear it from from other NDEers the same thing. So um, some people, because the traveling is so fast, some people don't feel that that part. So, but but when I had that experience, um, it, it was no time. It was like in a fraction or a fraction of second, or actually. I don't know even how you measure that, but it felt the same thing. It felt the same dark, you know, lobby or, uh, as you said, corridor that I was passing through that darkness. It, it can be hypothetically a corridor, but there is this darkness period that you pass through it to reach to that enlightenment part. So, and I think that's a kind of metaphor we also can use it for life. So, because the darkness Always after the darkness, there is a light. So if you just can pass through it. And then uh, I should mention that you were being operated on for some massive, uh, well, they were, there were growths that they were afraid were cancerous, and, but grapefruit-sized, and they were pressing on your organs. And uh, I mean, that's, that's a serious surgery, even though, thank God, it was proven to be benign. But... Um, then coming out of it, you said um, you were awakened by hands roughly lifting me off the bed. Take us from there as to what happened. Coming back, yeah, uh, it just, it was 2006. Yeah, actually, I was a fellow at Johns Hopkins when they found the mass. Like they needed an urgent surgery. So we follow up all the procedure. And uh, my ND happened, you know, the day after the surgery. So it wasn't the complication of the surgery. It wasn't that I had a low blood pressure or a vasovagal syncope and all of that. So, and when I started uh, walking, and it wasn't my first time that I was walking around. So and I just felt, you know, in a second again that I'm in nowhere and I'm flying through that tunnel and at the same time reaching to that to that edge, to that cliff that I was standing in the border of the of the loving kindness, uh, you know, understanding being, which you can call it divine. I, I I could have called it that's that was my source where I had come from, and uh, I don't know if that's what you were referring to. That something lifted me up. So that what that was the same feeling that I, I was weightless. Ah, yes. Okay, but then the nurse apparently used all her strength to heave you up out of bed. To, that she wanted you to be walking. Yeah, yeah, that that was the actually before the experience. Yeah, the, the nurses wanted me to walk, so I started walking. And before reaching to the bathroom, so I just felt then weightless, and I traveled to the other side in no time. And uh, that's exactly what, what happened. So while, while I was standing there, I felt that, you know, this uh, loving, infinite, you know, uh, enlightening uh, being is there and is inviting and telling me all the secrets of the universe and whispering it to my ear at the same time I was there uh, standing and waiting for the permission to enter to the other side. And, uh, and at the same time, I was hearing, you know, this, this music and celebration of, of those spirits that I had met them, you know, back in my, I had my out-of-body experience that I call it my ancestor because 
I knew them that I'm, I'm, my root is from them. Uh, I knew them that I'm part of them, but I didn't know them. Who are they? But they, they were related, like the grand, grand, grandparents of me. And they were waiting and ready for me on the other side. Wow. Before you got to that part of the light, I, I believe you said that not only were you uh, reminded of that uh, childhood experience of darkness, but also when you were a student at, at medical school in Iran, that you uh, there were times when you were perhaps uh, given PTSD by, it sounded horrible, that when they were bombing uh, in the war with Iraq, they were bo- bombing your hospital or near your hospital. And uh, that must have been terrifying. Yes, actually, yeah, that, that confusion was kind of the same. So the, it, because uh, I, I was the, during the Iran-Iraq war, I was in Iran doing my internship. So, yeah, to, so for, for, for one second, you know, I had this, most of the people of ND, they have this life review. So I had a kind of semi kind of life review, maybe, as you said, the traumatic part of the life review while I was passing through that, you know, dark, dark tunnel or uh, what, what we call it, the corridor. So, and I was remembering, you know, just those time, you know, of, of, of my life and my internship during the war and the, uh, uh, that that ambiguity, that that unknowing that I had, but then after that, I passed through the the, the dark tunnel and I reached to the the enlightenment and that loving light. Wow! Yes, you said you, at that point you focused on its luminosity and it grew brighter and warmer, and uh, filled up your uh, took took over for for emptiness and fear with intense love. And uh, I and I imagine terrific security too. Exactly. Yeah, that that feeling of safety. I mean, there is there is no language for it, Lee, just to express what we experiencing during our NDE because all we all we talk about with that loving source and loving kindness, you know, energy is the language of the heart. So it's just the heart to heart or consciousness to consciousness or mind to mind. So it's, it's a really difficult to put the words on it to explain how does that feel. But I mean, this, this feeling of security, the feeling of being loved, the feeling of, of knowing everything. And that's at that time, you know, when I was standing there, all the secret of universe were, were being told to me and they were pouring into me into every cells of my body. So I knew everything that I even didn't know that I, that I need to know. So everything that in life that I need to know was being told, uh, telling me because, because of that, you know, loving source of uh, intelligence. So in universe is an intelligent, you know, source. And I felt at that moment, all I'm becoming one with that intelligence. Mm. Were you allowed to bring back some of that uh, knowledge with you when you recovered? Uh, it's a kind of yes and no. So I had the, f- the feeling that they are in me, but I was also being, uh, uh, what do you call it? I was also uh, being promised that I shouldn't talk about it or I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about it. So it's just like, you know how to ride a bicycle, but you don't have the bicycle to ride it. But when you have it, then you know how to ride it. Yes. So it's just that, that kind of feeling for me. So, and after the experience, I have a kind of 
more what you call it uh, more exaggerated sixth sense of thing, knowing things or my intuition or my gut feeling so that one has become like 10 times so things happen that I know they are happening you probably have heard it from other in the years too but for me it has been really something that has dragged my attention and curiosity to it and I'm experienced I've been experiencing it in the past decade and I'm relying it more and more on it. And that's really, and this crisis is coming handy to me as a coach. So in my coaching, you know, conversation, in my coaching connections with my clients. So that's the skill, that's the gift that I have. And, and, and I'm using it to be more connected and understanding of my clients. So I see through people. So I, I feel the truth. I, I know the vibration of their energy. And these are the gifts that I didn't have it before my NDE. So your answer is yes. I have been able to brought some of them back uh, to make a difference in this world for, for other people. And then the other side is no, because I don't have a language for it to explain it or talk about it. You mentioned um, something that musicians have told me, but most others haven't. You said the powerful, loving energy embraced me with sound so pure, so soothing and mellow uh, that it replaced the beat of your heart. And uh, and you interpreted the energy you felt, felt over there as music. Um, d- describe it if you can. What what that what was that music like? Yeah, that mu- music was something that I tune into to get the connection. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of a language of communication. That's the celebration that my ancestor had behind that loving light waiting for me. That music was so familiar to me. And that was my bridge of connection with them. Well, our language of uh, whispering together, the language of our gut feeling, the language of our consciousness merging together. And it's interesting now I'm using music as, as one of my coaching tools. So I, I coach my clients through through music, through through the lyric uh, lyrics of the music and the tune of the music. Some music musics really resonate for me. Some of them don't, and I guess that has something to to be connected with that rhythm that my consciousness is connected to. Yes, and uh, yeah, I think that's the same same language that musicians are connecting to their spirit and. The creativity comes through it. The uh, um, NDEer Eben Alexander has gotten into music too because he, when he was having his near-death experience, he said that he would fall out of out of the heavenly realm, and then he would hear this music, and the music would lead him back up into the into that setting again. And uh, they've made CDs to uh, to help people to meditate. What, what kind of music? Do you have any favorite artists that you use? In, uh... Uh, I mean, I have many favorite artists, but I like the heavenly voice of Josh Groban. So it, I, I don't know. I can't help it. So when he <laughs> sings and his lyrics, so it's just, I'm, I'm there. Oh. So that's, that's what I can tell you. And I use his lyrics also, you know, for my coaching clients. It's wonderful lyrics. But I'm open to any kind of vibration that creates, you know, that connection for mm-hmm. me with the divine. I don't limit myself. I have a very open imagination. So, but I know Eben Alexander, wonderful guy. He was, he was one of the first few that, you know, introduced me to the IANS. And I, I, through him, I, I, I got familiar with IANS. And now I'm a certified facilitator at IANS. And I have a group, you know, that have conversation monthly with my groups there. Yes. 
Yeah, he does the acoustic, I think, meditation with his partner. That's what they are using. Yes, exactly. Well, I hope at some future IONS conference when uh, when we're back to meeting in reality instead of via uh, Zoom that we'll have a chance to meet in person, you and I. Yeah, actually, IONS have in September. They have another meeting. It's online, but I just got an invitation that I, I will be a panelist there. So for your listener, if they are interested to know more about you know, NDE and my experience, uh, I would be glad you know, to have them all. So in that, that session, it's the annual IONS conference in September. Excellent. Yes, I'll be part of that as well. Now, to go back to that blissful state you must have been feeling, um, you said suddenly a piercing voice disturbed my peaceful, world, wordless conversation. Tell us who that was. That was my husband, as you guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love my husband. He was my best friend in medical school. We have been happily married, you know, for more than two decades now. But I mean, at that time, I didn't want to hear that, you know, to his voice but to me was an annoying voice because I wanted to be with that enlightenment, that loving infinite. Of course. But at the same time, I was hearing him and it was at the background and far and distance that were calling me desperately, calling my name. And then I got worried that why, what does he want? That, that urgent, that, you know, needy. So as a dutiful wife, you know, and a mother, I got worried also that, they are in danger. My son is in danger. Do they need something from me? And do they need my help? So, and his voice was getting louder and louder and louder. So, and that, that would have become more revealing to me. And it, it was interesting, you know, at the beginning, um, when I was there, I wasn't seeing with my, with my human eyes. I wasn't hearing with my, with my human ears. I was seeing with my mind eyes. I was hearing with my, with my mind ears. But then when he started calling me, then I was feeling more my human ears that is hearing his voice. And at the same time, you know, I was pulling to that, being pulled to that magnetic, you know, attraction, loving energy, but still confused, which direction should I go? Should I go? Should I not to go? So, and then I asked, you know, the permission. So what, what direction, what, what should I do? Can I go and come back? And I was being given permission that I can go and come back. And I just uh, made a deal, you know, uh, not a deal, made made a uh, kind of promise that wait for me. I'm just going to see what my husband wants and I'll come back soon. It won't be long. And they agreed with me that it it has to be shortly and they they will be waiting there. And being said that, I turned my head toward his voice and then, Again, back in like in a, f- a fraction of time, I found out myself on the hospital floor when I opened my eyes and I saw him and the nurses, you know, yes. getting the CPR team. And just I was at, I asked later how long was that that I was gone, and they told me less than two minutes. But for me, it was an eternity there. There was no time there, so it was an eternity that I was there. Wow. Yes, they said you said uh, for a minute. At least a minute and twenty seconds. You were you were dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But your husband called you back, and you know, uh, as as an EMT and as a hospital chaplain, my experience was that people on their way out of their bodies do listen and can be called back from a great distance sometimes. It did. I'm grateful 
for that, you know. And but uh, at the beginning, I was mad of him. Why did he call me? So because you know, but I wanted to go back to that to that being. But then again, the more I lived on the earth, I found that I have a different mission. I'm calling, and now I'm grateful for him for calling me back. And I'm doing this great work of coaching as a nonprofit, you know, in healthcare and education. Yes. Well, you say in in uh, in the book that uh, it was like being born again, that you were it was a rebirth for you, that and you were rejoicing in it, which is a, a lovely thing. It was. It was actually. It seemed like I'm seeing everything with a different eyes now. So the the colors were more colorful to me. And uh, I mean, the birds, they were singing more vividly to me. I was connected to everything in this life. So it may seem funny to you, but I was feeling connected even to the trees, you know, to every being on this earth. So uh, it, it was a rebirth for me because I was seeing everything in a different view of eyes, doing even simple tasks, you know, around the house that I was always complaining about it. You know, just like repeating, making a lunch, you know, for my son going to school. Those became source of joy for me. Mm. And I learned how to enjoy little things in life and how details, details do matter. Yes. Well, what was your husband's reaction when you told him about what you'd seen? Yeah, actually, I didn't tell him at the beginning because, as I said, it was like a secret between me and the divine, a secret between me and the other side. And I was I was kind of worried if I tell someone, it's going to disappear. And I wanted to keep it with myself and value it and enjoy it 100%. And uh, I didn't tell him for almost a week until I came home discharged from the hospital and then he, he felt that I have changed. I was glowing. I, I healed, like, I mean, rapidly. I had 200 sutures that it just got healed, like, in almost a week. So, and everybody was seeing me, were telling me, you look younger. And I had this glow of, as I said, of a rebirth. So, and I had this uh, energy in myself, just not that I had a surgery, you know, like eight-hour surgery. So, and he felt that I have changed. And... Uh, then I started telling him, you know, that, uh, you know, I had this vision. I, uh, I had, and one other thing that I told him, I had this vision and I stepped to the other side and I think I met your father. And my husband lost his father when he was like four years old. He was oh. killed in an automobile accident. Okay. And then he said, Oh, how is it possible? And I, I mean, my husband is a physician too. So we both are scientists and uh, he's a pathologist seeing everything on the microscope. And he said, so how, how was it possible? How did he look like? Then I explained to him, how did he look like? And he was surprised because he even doesn't have any picture of himself, you know, uh, of his father's. But it, it really, he had seen his picture in his mom's album, but he hadn't had it in his album here. So he knew I haven't seen a picture of him, but the description that I was giving to him was exactly like his father was. So I sometimes I just thought that may, maybe that, that permission that was given to me hearing my husband's voice was kind of connection with his father that I met as, as one of my you know, ancestors or the relatives back there. 
And I told him the story and, you know, he looked at it with the benefit of the doubt, of course, like every other scientist and the physician. So he said it may have been a vasopep of syncope or it may have been just effect of anesthesia or kind of, you know, hallucination or uh, uh, just visioning or these things may happen to the brain. But uh, to me, it wasn't none of them. To me, it was the reality even more real than this life, actually. I was feeling that that other realm is, is more real than this life that we are living. So I should have been there, not here. So, And then he was just listening to me for a, with, a, with a little skeptical mind for some time. But then one day he came home and he t- that after a couple of months, he said that, you know what, I was listening to the NPR today and uh, they were talking about the near-death experience. And they were telling the same stuff that you have been telling me at lunch and dinner and breakfast for the past six months. So, <laughs> you are not alone. At least, you know, you know that. And for me, that, that was another gift after his calling that he brought this uh, word of science to me. That I, I, And he told me that the interview was about Barbara Bradley book about fingerprints of God. And about the spirituality, you know, and, and the near-death experience that the research she has done for 10 years on that. Yeah. And then that opened the door to me as a researcher, you know, this is something I can do research about it. This is something I can open my my mind's eye and science to it. And then my work started after that. So I, I started doing my independent studying and education. I became a certified on the spiritual intelligence and then emotional intelligence coaching, and then where where we are, where I am now. Uh, so it <laughs> it wasn't your persuading him that this was real. It was NPR. So I guess <laughs> thank heavens for public radio. Yeah, exactly, and it's interesting. Universe is sending your way their sign and clues in a very different, you know, sometimes weird way. You just have to pay attention to the sign and the clues. Exactly. And I, that was one of those one of those uh, gifts that universe sent on my day. Yeah. The NPR radio. <laughs> now, in your in your book, you say that uh, you uh, find yourself believing in love as a key and universal element, uh, not a human one, and also also that we are. Uh, and I thought this was really interesting. We are all soul particles created as one, living as one, and staying as one after our time in this life is over. Tell us uh, how you see that. Yeah, I mean, we are all soul particles. I, I always make, uh, use this metaphor that we are like a piece of puzzles mm-hmm. and soul particles, and we come together to give a big main picture of what, what we do in this world and what's the meaning and purpose of us in this world. And uh, that, that's what I meant about we are all one. And when I was there, when I was in that realm, it, it really felt that I am part of that source. And there is one consciousness. There is no separation. And that, that loving, understanding, you know, kind energy, that was what I have been built up of it. And I even use, you know, that metaphor in my, in my coaching practice, you know, that I always ask my clients what, what love is going to do. Just imagine yourself when you are triggered, when you are reactive to, to, a, to a response. Ask yourself, what would have love would have done So in that situation? And that's what, what I meant, love is the key. So 
And it's a key not only for others, but also is the key for ourselves. So we mostly don't even know how we can love our own self, the self-empathy or self-compassion that we are talking about it as a part of our self-care and self-tools that we have. So we have to learn loving ourselves in a proper, appropriate way first. Then we can start loving others appropriately and properly later. And that's the key that I I meant. The uh, connection of of soul particles that you described, I thought you really brought it home when you described... um, the connection you had with your father when he died. And tell us a little about that, if you would. Yeah, that, that's what they call a shared death experience. So yeah. uh, it was really a profound experience. I can say, ask the Kuiwan and ask my near-death experience. My father, he went to, he was living here, but he went to Iran to visit, you know, his family. And uh, he had a home back there. And while he was there, he had a kind of... Um, chest pain and they took him for the angioplasty and he didn't survive through it. And I was told that he's fine. But then again, after a couple of hours, I was just sitting on my deck, you know, listening to the birds and the the nature is talking to me. I mean, in a different way since my near-death experience. I'm receiving these downloads from the universe through the nature. And while I was sitting there, I felt that that loving kind, you know, knowing energy, that living, loving energy whispering to me again. And it was like I have a conversation becoming a bridge between me and my dad. I had a conversation with my father that I was telling him, you know, thanks, God. I mean, they are telling me you are okay. But even if something had happened, there is no reason to be scared. There is no reason to be afraid of of death, but it wasn't your time. But then again, I I felt that energy that is telling me that he is there with them. And I was curious, you know, I'm confused with myself. So that if they have told me that he's fine, why am, am I feeling that, that, that I'm in that place again with him, with my father? Mm. And then I called back again. My brother actually called me and I found out that, I mean, he has passed exactly the same time and hour that I was sitting on the deck. I mean, connecting and meditating, you know, on the nature with, with my, with, uh, with the nature and with my, with my divine. Yes. And it was very, uh, very profound experience because, I mean, I was going through the journey and I was even new. I wasn't in his burial. But I was seeing everyone that it was there. And I was calling back home and asking my mom, this person was there, this person was there, and this person helped him to put them in the grave. And then they were surprised. How do you know that? Who told you? I said, nobody. I just knew it. One of those things, you know, that you know it and you don't know how you know it. And, uh, I mean, the first night, for three nights, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even close my eyes because... I was feeling my father fear with me and in me. And I think it took for him, maybe that's the journey that we have. Uh, Sam Parney always says that the death is a process, not a moment. So it's the time that we are passing as a time of our death. It's not just one one moment. It takes a process. So we uh, transform and transition to the afterlife. I probably took for my father like two, three days till he find himself back where I just had with my NDEs in a second. And that was the process of his death probably or transition. 
And he was with me all that time. And I was with him. We were separate, separated. And he was everywhere. He was everywhere that I was going. He was with me. And I was feeling him and having this conversation with him and feeling what he is feeling. And then at the third night, I, I saw, I had this vision. I saw my father that on that edge again, on that cliff that I had my near-death experience. And he arrived there happily and in a kind of like a, a younger age, not that the older age, he was 86 when he passed. I saw him like he was in his mid 40s, 50s. And when he arrived there, I saw again my father-in-law that I, I, I had met in my near-death experience. He was standing there welcoming him and they shake hands and my father was asking him where he should go and he was showing him the direction. And at the same time, he asked about my husband, that how is he doing? And then my father, because he didn't know him at that time, but when he asked about my husband, he found out the relationship. And these are all mental conversation, the telepathic conversation. And then he understood that that's my father-in-law. And then he started telling him about my husband. Oh. And uh, and that that was another vision that I had as a kind of last vision that I had from my shared that experience that was very vivid for me. Wow. And I, yeah, I was feeling that he's happy after that. He's, he's become one with that consciousness. Yes, what a wonderful gift. I mean, to, to be so blessed to... to have a shared death experience with your father and, and to, and to be there again, you know, having seen it once before. Dr. Kasawi, I'm sorry to say we are, we've run out of time for today, but I, I want to, um, first of all, thank you for sharing your incredible, uh, near death experience with us, but I'll also, uh, tell the audience how they can learn more about your work in health coaching. Yes, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity again, Lee. And uh, they can find me on all social media, My Conscious Coaching Group. We have a website, www.myconscious.org. And they can also email me, coach at myconscious.org. So we are on LinkedIn, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, and uh, Twitter also. And I would be glad to hear from everyone. And thank you again for the opportunity. Oh, thank you for sharing your story with us. It's been really a very moving experience. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, please go to Talk Zone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, and listen for free to the complete NDE radio library. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.